Welcome to the Cell Culture Dish Podcast, optimizing fed batch culture, developing new tools and methods to improve production. I'm Brandi Sargent, editor of the Cell Culture Dish. In this podcast, we interview Dr. Eileen Zimmer, head of R&D Advanced Cell Culture Technologies at Merck, about the importance of optimizing fed batch culture for successful biomanufacturing. Eileen discussed how her team has developed new tools and methods for optimizing fed batch culture and the impact that this has had on productivity and product quality. Eileen is currently R&D Director, responsible for the development of advanced cell culture technologies at Merck Life Science. This includes dry powder media, tech transfer, and troubleshooting activities, as well as the development of new chemicals for cell culture media and feeds. Eileen holds an engineering degree in biochemistry and biotechnology from the National Institute of Applied Sciences in Lyon, France, a master's in cellular physiopathology from the University of Lyon, and a PhD degree in immunology from the University of Paris. She worked three years in immunotherapy biomarker research at Stoller Jens Greer before joining the Upstream R&D group at Merck Life Science in 2011. Optimizing feeds for fed batch cell culture is a key part of successful biomanufacturing. Could you describe some of the tools available that can help with optimization? Sure. Different strategies can be used to optimize feeds for fed batch culture. The first common strategy is based on the analytical characterization of the spent medium. In the supernatant, all the main cell culture media components are quantified, such as, for example, sugar components, amino acids, vitamins, or selected trace metals. Based on the consumption rate every day, feed formulations and feeding regimes can be developed to replenish the exact same quantity of depleted nutrients throughout the 14-day process. This method is very efficient, but requires significant analytical capabilities. The second strategy that is commonly used to develop feed formulation in the industry is mixing of existing feed formulations, followed by high-throughput screening. After having acquired the data for a significant amount of mixtures, multivariate data analysis can help identify factors impacting performance positively and negatively. Then, more common development strategies can be used to fine-tune the formulation to obtain the best growth, productivity, or to match critical quality attributes. Finally, for smaller companies, feeds for fat batch can be selected by screening feed formulations that are readily available on the market. Whereas first-generation fat batch platforms rather contain two feeds due to the insolubility and instability of key amino acids like cysteine and tyrosine, the development of modified amino acids has enabled the launch of single feed formulations containing all the required nutrients for cells. This is the case for our Selvento 4 True and Selvento 4 Feed media and feed platform, which has been developed for fed batch applications. And you talked about um, the use of amino acids and the concerns a little bit with the solubility. Could you talk a little bit about how that's required the use of additional feed steps and also tell us about the development of some new products to address these challenges? Yes, our legacy fed batch process included a main feed containing all the required amino acids and vitamins except for cysteine and tyrosine because of stability and solubility issues respectively. This feed was slightly acidic to balance for the addition of a separate pH 11 feed containing cysteine and tyrosine. 
The second feed was monetary to ensure the addition of sufficient amount of both amino acids, which are essential for growth and productivity. At the beginning of the project, our aim was to develop a solution to integrate both amino acids into a neutral pH feed and at a high concentration. So following a thorough literature search, it became clear quite quickly that this was not possible without modifying the chemistry of the amino acids, which led us to the development of phosphotyrosine disodium salt as a replacement for tyrosine and the development of a sulfocysteine sodium salt as a replacement for cysteine. Great. You kind of touched a little bit on how you decided to develop the products, um, but getting into as much detail as possible, how were you able to actually develop these products once you identified that there was a challenge there and a need to adapt these amino acids? Well, both projects started with a brainstorming session in a room full of chemists. We, as Cellcutio Media experts, described our wishes so we wanted high-soluble and stable derivatives of cysteine and tyrosine that are bioavailable for cells and that do not affect process performance negatively. Then what happened is that the chemists started to draw new compounds on the board. From this drawing, we moved to synthesis and we tested a bunch of components in a screening fat batch. Then, in an iterative process, we tested all the derivatives and evaluated their impact on cellular growth and metabolism, volumetric productivity, and critical quality attributes. We obtained, uh, we obviously um, tested multiple cell lines and products, and also distributed some R&D samples to selected customers or partners to confirm the performance. Finally, we moved for the most promising compounds to the synthesis process scale-up and the qualification to meet the requirement of our bioprocessing industry. This led us to the launch of the phosphotyrosine and uh, sulfocysteine salts earlier this year. I'm curious, in development, was there anything that surprised you? And then what did you find that excited you most about the development of these new products? Well, the first project was the replacement of tyrosine, and this project was very straightforward. We found the suitable chemical modified tyrosine quite early in our screening, and thus the task was more or less easy. Later on, when we moved to cysteine, it was I was extremely surprised about the specificity of that molecule. Indeed, at the end, we tested more than 50 derivatives, and very few of them were actually capable of supporting growth and tighter production, and this was really surprising for me. Then, of course, later on when we found the first hits, this project became very exciting for me and for my PhD students working on the development at that time. Indeed, we started to understand really how cells can take up such kind of modified amino acid and transform them in bioavailable cysteine that can be used later to generate glutathione which is a crucial antioxidant present in every cell. I was also very excited about the launch of this product earlier this year, since I had uh, followed them from the conception on the chemistry board to the production in large scale. That sounds exciting. And then I was wondering, what impact do the amino acid products have on productivity and product quality when you use them in the feed for production? We tested both modified amino acids with different cell lines and in different processes. According to our results, phosphotyrosine disodium salt has uh, no impact on either productivity or product quality. 
The mechanism of action of phosphotyrosine implicates a slow release of tyrosine and phosphate from phosphotyrosine through the action of phosphatases, and thus the trick is, so to say, to obtain a delayed release of tyrosine from the modified amino acid during the 14-day flat-batch process. For sulfacetane, the impact on productivity was highly dependent on the clone. While some clones exhibited uh, an improved productivity, with TITA nearly, nearly reaching two times the tighter of the control process, for some other clones, we didn't see any impact on productivity. In addition, we have seen that the impact may depend on the concentration of sulfocysteine used in the feed, so a titration experiment might be useful to find the optimal concentration for each cell line. But regarding product quality, uh, sulfocysteine has no impact on the acetylation, charge variance, or aggregation, but we were able to see a reduction in protein fragmentation in the sulfocysteine-containing uh, process when compared to the contour. We also saw a reduction in the level of trisulfide bonds between the heavy chain and the light chain of the monoclonal antibody. Both effects are most likely uh, linked since trisulfide bonds are fragile and the presence of the third sulfur group may lead to increased amount of low molecular weight fractions. These findings may be key for monoclonal antibodies which are used to produce antibody drug conjugates and in particular for those where the payload is linked to the monoclonal antibody using a cysteine-based chemistry. Could you comment just on how these products could be used to further optimize uh, cell culture for bioprocessing? The first aim of these products was to enable the development of a single neutral pH feed. The ability to use only one feed is beneficial for several aspects. Of course, it first simplifies operations. Instead of having to prepare two feeds with required pH adjustment and, of course, filtration and QC steps, the possibility to integrate all the nutrients into a single feed where it's possible to just put powder on top um, and water on top of it in a tank is highly convenient. Due to the high uh, solubility of tyrosine and the very good stability of sulfocysteine, the new modified amino acids also enable the development of highly concentrated formulations, which can be used at a lower volume ratio, thus avoiding an unnecessary dilution of the biopharmaceutical bio product. Thus, here again, the use of this product may lead to a more efficient and finally economical process. That's great. Really interesting about the products and your approach to dealing with something that has been a challenge uh, in terms of the solubility for, for quite some time. Is there anything else that you'd like to add for our listeners uh, before we close? Yeah, sure. I'd like to mention that these two products are the first tools which were developed to optimize feed formulations but these are not the last ones. Indeed, uh, we are committed to develop the tools needed by our customers and colleagues to develop the biomanufacturing processes of the future for fat batch, but also perfusion applications. We want biomanufacturing operation to be easier, to be more efficient, and our future products will be designed to help the industry move into that direction. Well, thank you so much for your time. That was really interesting. I really appreciate it. And thanks for sharing this information with us. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Cell Culture Dish podcast. To learn more about this and other stem cell and biomanufacturing related topics, please visit us at www.cellculturedish.com or for downstream biomanufacturing topics, www.downstreamcolumn.com.